0: Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen-Biggs, joined, as always, by Blazer's outsider, Danny Moring. Hi, Tara. How you doing? I'm doing great. I just flew in from Tennessee, and boy, are my arms tired.
1: Oh, God. I made that joke last week to Joe, and now I know how he feels.
0: You already made that (sighs) joke? Damn it. we got to start all over again. Uh, (laughs)
1: uh, Joe got back from Hawaii on the set, and I was making, you know... Jokes.
0: Okay, well,
1: <laughs> so, that's
0: my joke. So, how was Memphis? Well, take all the wind out of the out of my sails. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, the Blazers did not win. That was, but that was just one of Wolf. the things that we were there to do. Um, when we booked our tickets to go on this trip, I didn't think about the fact that it was going to be the last game of a seven-game road trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, oh, I felt kind of bad. Like, But I uh, brought a few treats for the broadcast team from home, and I think they appreciated that. Brookie's
1: cookies that. for the road. Pardon me? Brookie's cookies for the road.
0: Yeah, I didn't bring her cookies. I brought candy. Uh, oh. But they had stumped down coffee in them, and she said that she really needed them to get through the game. So I hope that she shared them. <laughs> But uh, it was really, it was fun. It's fun to go to uh, games in other arenas FedEx and cool kind of look at too. it from the other fans' perspective. Um, so Chandler Parsons got totally booed when he <laughs> came in. And I was like, oh. Yeah, I, I mean, it, 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 it wasn't surprising, no. I guess because really. I know that he has not uh, made friends in Memphis, and like I actually thought that they had like separated and that he had gone from the team, but I guess they reconciled a little bit for the kids or something. I
1: think it was something between him and, and Gasol, and that's oh. after Gasol was traded, he was brought back. So
0: that's just weird though, because Gasol's been there for Ever. so long. Yeah, and I don't think it, it
1: was them like siding with Parsons over. Uh, it was was just
0: that it was was just clear to bring him back Mm -hmm. well you know what it did though it made me appreciate it okay so you know the end of last year when things were looking pretty ugly for myers leonard and the booing happened and people got kind of mad i was one of the people that got mad about it It was like hey we can't do that and one of the things that even when you know he was struck when myers was struggling the most people always said is, you know, he's a good guy, and the people who were complaining were, you know doing it, trying to base it on you know his or you know, ostensibly blaming it on his lack of production or whatever. But, um, I mean, there was real vitriol uh, <laughs> that was being yeah. aimed at Parsons. and I was just glad that it didn't ever seem to really get to that. It got kind of sad with Myers when he got booed. Uh, but I was glad that it didn't get to the point that uh, it seems to have gotten to in Memphis with Chandler, and they still have him for another year.
1: Yeah, I mean, it kind of is what it is. And things aren't always going to go well everywhere you go, and I don't know. It's just when I look at yeah. when I look at the, both those instances, I'm like, really? I mean, if you want to boot Raymond Felton, sure, <laughs> like that—that's always allowed. But the levels the well, way
0: some people to the weird. We, It it comes to the point, and something that I want to talk about later in a little while anyway, is that, you know, uh, when Evan Turner came and everybody had a hard time with his contract, he at least is playing. He may seem to be overpaid by a lot of people, and, you know, maybe he is, you know, compared to other players of his caliber or whatever, but he's contributing. He's, like, an important person on the team, not just on the court but also off of the court. And so it's nice that, like, if we're going to be paying premium price for someone (laughs) that at least he's contributing and um you know chandler parsons you know contributed a few points and you know people just were not happy to have him on there plus i don't know if you watch gilmore girls but he looks just like kirk from gilmore girls the older he gets yeah it's like
1: gilmore girls right up right up my
0: alley that's (laughs) that's <laughs> you never when you, know when you
1: think of Danny Morang, you think of Blazers basketball and
0: Gilmore girls you know what Dan I don't want to make any assumptions <laughs> you know that I do not make any assumptions so so oh. we saw that game and after we went to in addition we just saw some did some really great awesome sight sightseeing in Memphis which if you haven't been there before I highly re- recommend it we went to the Stax museum which was all about soul music um that's the recording studio where like Booker T and the MGs were the house band. So super cool history there. And then we went to the Civil Rights Museum. That was amazing, something that everybody should do. And then we drove to Nashville. And while I was in Nashville, I crashed a Grizzlies watch party with the guys from Fast Break Breakfast podcast. We're hosting a Grizzlies watch party in Nashville so I attended that, and I won a Chandler Parsons yoga mat. Actually, somebody else won it, and then because I said that I wanted it, he gave it to me, and he's like, I don't need to be doing downward dog and looking at Ch- Chandler Parsons' say, The things face. they're probably going
1: to do with that mat, have, you know, whoever came up with that is probably grateful that you're not disgracing it the way that they probably would have.
0: So I just worked out and used my Chandler Parsons <laughs> yoga mat,
1: and it's awesome. So is it like... Is it like a little picture of Chandler Parsons or is it like Chandler Parsons?
0: No, it's so it says yoga and his head is the O. <laughs> <sighs> it's so good. <laughs> wow. Like was
1: this like was this something that's like it was actively purchased or did somebody like make this in their basement?
0: No, I think that it was uh it was swag that they I don't know if they gave it away on some night and it was like leftover Or whatever. They also had a Marc Gasol pepper grinder for the grit and grind grinder. And that one was super cool. Now that's spot on. Yeah. That was super cool. Which is why the yoga mat was just so much not cool. (laughs) Yeah. Everything about it is. Is amazing. Comparatively. Yeah. Yeah. And I did get to catch the, I watched the Oklahoma city game um, in a honky tonk bar but the bar closed because, you know, the time change is different. So I had to, like, run out to the lift, and it was pouring down rain. So we jumped in the back of the car, and I listened or actually watched on the ESPN Gamecast, like, the last 30 seconds of that game and the overtime. And I'm not proud of how I conducted myself. I may have yelled a lot in the car. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I had... but, but I guess a lot of people were also uh, having the same reaction. So let's talk about some basketball. You know, should we start with the OKC game? That kind of seems like the biggest meatball, yeah, right, Yeah, we should
1: start with? Go ahead and start with the whatever that that was. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, so is it how, Matt, okay, aside from all the shenanigans and the refing and all of that stuff, just in general, how did you feel about how the Blazers played? I mean, Dame
1: had a absolutely bonkers night, but I hated the way they played. Right. From, that from, 51, he
0: had 51 and CJ, how much did CJ have? I mean,
1: they, they, they both, yeah, they both had good nights, 25, something like that, but I hated the way they played, uh, outside of Dame, almost nobody had any kind of aggression. Well, mm-hmm. Nurkic had some aggressiveness too. Um, CJ was a little bit, but I was disappointed in Jake, um, really disappointed in Rodney. Barely
0: um, anybody could score, yeah, and Ennis, how does Cantor go one for six?
1: Yeah, that was it was, Dennis was frustrating. It just there was a lot of just the team reverted back more to what they looked like against the Pelicans in the playoffs, and it, when they were faced with adversity, for them to just revert back to those tendencies was really
0: disappointing. It was a little dis, disheartening to well, so for me. My, I I was thinking as the second half was progressing, Dame was on fire and he was hitting everything and he was playing hero ball. And I was like, don't play hero ball. You have teammates. You guys are a team. Now you've like worked all these years together and developed all this continuity so that you could be a team. And there he was taking all of the shots. However, Nobody else was making any, so I was conflicted trying to figure out should he have tried a little bit longer to try to get other people involved because remember the night that Rodney Hood went off, he didn't even go off until you know, late in the pretty late in the second half. Um, should Damien have tried longer to you know, see if anybody else could get something going, or was it just because it was OKC and it was Russ that was just how it was going to be that night?
1: Um Realistically, I think Dane was trying to get people going uh, mm-hmm. for a long enough period. Then he was like, okay, well, at chance, got to keep going, got to get buckets. And I mean, that's indicative when you've got a 50 plus point nine and nine assists. Mm-hmm. But it was, a, there's some give and take here in that a lot of his creation was basically off pick and roll or drive and kick. Like they ran more pick and roll in that game than I've seen them run all season. Dame Nurk, Dame Nurk, Dame Nurk, Dame Nurk, and they just pounded it into the ground. And it mm-hmm. was like,
0: okay, this is getting a little weird. Like it Wait, why do you think that's weird? Just because they were doing it more than usual? Because that's usually a pretty successful play. Yeah, but I mean they were coming down and just
1: running it in the same spot in this against the same guys. The Thunder were playing it the same way and it was just like the uh, guys, this 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 isn't gonna work.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like it works for a team like Houston because everybody knows what's going to happen. They're going to go five out, have five shooters on the floor and they're going to space you out and they're going to run Chris Paul and James Harden down your throat. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's, that's just what they do. The difference is that's, that's their offense. Basically is they're going to spread you out and they're going to attack you in space. Portland was doing this with non shooters on the floor. There were times where there was, little to no movement anywhere. Uh, it was just, I, I just didn't like what I saw offensively outside of sure. Damian Lloyd's production was great, but how they went about doing it and how everybody else really just didn't show up. It, there's, there's this weird juxtaposition of, yeah, I want Dan to be more creative and I want to see him get other guys involved. But at some point in time, the other guys also have to step up.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Do you think, I mean, was it just another one of those nights where nobody on the blazers could hit anything or, you know, was it, were they being played in some way by OKC in a, in a way uh, that was making it hard for them to make it?
1: I mean, yeah. OKC is making it more difficult for everybody. Obviously they've, when they run pick and roll coverage, they've got Paul George, you know, right there. If, if he's not in the play, he's usually one man away. with Stephen Adams playing behind that alone is enough to, to blow up a lot of coverages. Um throw in guys like terrence ferguson who are working hard to play defense and it's it's a their length their athleticism they're able to sit there and just bother people all night long um and that's why i was kind of disappointed to not see the blazers try to make the defense move get them going side to side it's just it's weird that's, that's mm-hmm. really all I can get down to it. And well, these, these high leverage games, everybody can keep talking about how, well, Portland was right there. Well, Portland was right there. Well, Portland was right there. Well, we're down at the point of the season where you need to start showing you're winning those games.
0: Right. And it's happened four times. Mm-hmm. So that's what, that's what I, I think is more deserving. On the other hand... Portland was right there. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, gotta, I mean, I don't, you don't want to see them having be that close, though. You know, you want to be able to have them figure out, like, unlock something. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and it's four times is that's that's pretty indicative. And I know the Blazers have been close, but if somebody keeps getting you over and over and over again, does that mean that they just got lucky a dozen times, or does that mean that they're better than you?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I certainly really do not want to see Oklahoma City in the playoffs, but uh, I think it seems like a pretty good possibility that 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 could be what happens. Oh God, but yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, about, we'll talk about we'll talk about that a little, little bit more. One of the things that I thought also was stood out to me in the Oklahoma City game is the bench is just not what it used to be <laughs> earlier at time at least at times this season. I mean, they had a good they had a good bench night the other night, but um, by and large, how big of a loss is Evan Turner? You know, over these last several games that he's missed.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple things to talk about in this context. First of all, is that I think if you've watched this team post All Star break, yeah, they're they're six and three and they're they're looking pretty good, but the bench has struggled to find any kind of consistency. And the only real offense they're running is Nurkic or not Nurkic, but Cantor post-ups mid post-ups for Rodney hood and trying to get Jake Lehman in the open court. Oh, and Parkless when he pops in there from time to time, getting a steal and dunk, but that's, that's their offense right now. They're like, there's no semblance of offense being run effectively with Turner out. Mm-hmm. And I know Seth Curry has had a couple good shooting nights, but something that we dug into, or I dug into, when I was prepping here with Tara, is that uh, Seth Curry's assist rate is dropped to a precipitously
0: low number for his career, and it's kind of ridiculous. Assist rate is the number of assists that he gets while he's on the that he contributes while he's on the floor. So is that what the, assist the exact rate is?
1: definition is? The estimated percentage of teammate field goals. A player assist while he's on the floor. Okay. So for perspective, Evan Turner's at twenty-two point seven, Seth Curry is at seven point one. So wow. three wait, times wait, the rate. What's Damien? 29.2.
0: Okay. So Damien 29.2. Uh Evan Turner around 22. And then Nurch, our third 18. backup point guard is yeah, seven. Seven point one.
1: And, and here's the thing, is we talked about this when we were coming into the season and when when I when I said that Seth was a very good pick and roll point guard, you were you were surprised. Mm-hmm. And right now, it looks like the the person that's playing for the Blazers is, is more of what the guy that I think you had in line in your head, because his his assist rate is right there with Harrison Barnes, who's one of the mm-hmm. biggest black holes in the NBA right now, and the ball is just sticking. It is absolutely unequivocally sticking. During the Phoenix game, I actually got up and yelled at the screen and was like, would you please move the ball for the love of God? And I'm watching Biggs roll to the rim over and over again, and Seth just got his head down, hunting for a shot. That's an okay attitude to have as the second or third option on Mm -hmm. the bench. Not as the guy who's supposed to be running the offense. With Evan not out there... Things are falling apart, and I think that's probably probably a little bit weird for anti-ET folks out there.
0: Right. Well, a couple of things. I mean, he plays fairly frequently alongside either Dame or CJ as they're in kind of that transitional, okay, I'm not going to handle the ball, I'm going to run around and let somebody else be the point guard. So... You see him in there in those situations, and and I have to look and go, oh wait, is it Dame or CJ in right now? You know because I'm basically just watching the ball, and that's being handled by by Seth Curry. So there's you know that's what he's doing when he's coming in, and what I would remember seeing Evan Turner do when he comes in is I see him coming in and like really running sets, and like I see him sitting there at the top of the key scanning with his eyes, looking where everybody is, doing some pointing, putting his hand up, making a call, and like making something happen that way. So it's a little bit slower and a little bit more set, I think, when Evan Turner is on the floor. But it seems like when Seth is on, it's just more just Seth.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, it doesn't really matter who Seth's with. His role has been the same. As, as weird as that may be, like I've seen a few instances of him running the offense, but more often than not, it doesn't matter if it's Dame or it's CJ, if it's Evan, working as the, pr- the primary playmaker facilitator. Seth is much different from what I saw two years ago. Like the guy that I saw in Dallas was running an offense, and mm-hmm. that's a stark contrast to what we have right now with, with how he's playing. And don't get me wrong, he's a fantastic shooter. I'm not against him shooting. I'm just, I'm looking at this Portland team right now and I, I, I want to be excited, Tara. Like, I want to mm-hmm. believe that, yeah, that they can get out of the first round. But yeah, the addition of Rodney Hood, of uh, Ennis Cantor, of Jake Layman's emergence, Seth Curry being the backup point guard as opposed to Shabazz Napier. Like, all of these things, I I want them to be good, positive things that bear out for in the results. But... This is the time, I think, of the season where you have to figure out who's who's going to do what needs to be done. And there, there have been times so far this season where I think Seth's got some blinders on. I think Aminu's gone and chased some rebounds. Uh, Harkless's energy has obviously waned, and it looks better now. But I think right now, this last 15-game stretch, it becomes very, very evident who is important and in what roles and asking them to deliver upon those roles consistently. So you know what the rotation is going into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. And you touched on Harkless and I think Harkless has been playing really well. Yes.
1: And the, the only exception being the OKC game, which I was kind of frustrated by, but otherwise he has been very good.
0: So the thing that interests, me, that interests me about Harkless, and I'm not sure how to think about it, is that this season his, his three-point shooting has not Oof. been what it was before, <laughs> especially lately. It has really, really, really fallen yeah, off. It has tanked. However, between you know, January, February, and March, even as his three-point shooting got worse and worse and worse, the number of his points per game has actually Gone increased. Up. Yeah because he's found a bunch of other ways to score mm-hmm. and that's mostly like you know around the rim either cutting or getting putbacks or being there to like have somebody like dish it off to him hallelujah well and so <laughs> i mean one i thought that what we wanted were guys who could shoot threes to spread the floor and he's not spreading the floor but is the second best option to have somebody that you make somebody chase him yeah i mean <laughs> Because what what, he's not spreading the floor. No, he's not, and and that part does
1: frustrate me. But the defense has been better than at any point in time this season. He's his defense. His defense. Yes, mm-hmm. it's not just the steals. Like the steals are nice, but like his aggressiveness, his anticipation. Like he, he's he's got a little more of a bounce in his step, and you can see that he, like it, it's it's manifesting itself like in how he moves. Like you can see he's mm-hmm. quicker and he's he's yeah. more into it. Like there are t- you, when somebody's turned off for a possession, you can see it. The problem was Mo wasn't ever turning on. So it was just this lethargic kind of for the NBA pace that stood out. But when you see him like really engaged, he's like the energizer bunny. And we've seen over the last couple games Mo Harkless getting a steal, taking it in transition and dunking. Mm-hmm. Well, Tara, what have we been talking about on the podcast for the last 2 years all I've ever wanted for Mo Harkless? Give me the damn energy. energy! Energy, yeah. <laughs> You're a six foot eight, two hundred thirty pound small forward who can. You, you saw the dunk against the Suns, right?
0: Yes, the one that was right after, after Nurgic. Yeah, right after Oh God, that Nurgic dunk was so oh yeah, great. He, he
1: ended Kelly Oubre, but Harkless takes a step inside the free throw line, raises up, and Statue of Liberty's it. There were yeah, times this season, in Tara, where he was afraid to go to the rim for a layup, and right. now it's th- this guy. And, and I wonder, sorry, no, no, go no. Ahead. I was say it's like it's night and day, and I know the the injury, this and that, that doesn't explain why it hasn't been there for the past three years. This level of aggressiveness, finishing at the rim, has not been there in his time here in Portland, save post All Star break.
0: So, can we just be glad that it's here yes, right I, now? I no, I, I am <laughs> okay. I have a theory that is you're going to think is like super wackadoodle, but um. <laughs> I was when I was watching all of his uh, buckets for the for the last week. I was watching all the times that he scored around the rim for the last mm-hmm. week, and I've noticed a connection with him and Nurkic. And I don't know how long it's been there or if it's new. I just I've just noticed it lately. Over the last couple of weeks, a lot of times, like if Nurkic is on one side of the bu- bucket and he's trying to get it up and he can't get it up through the three guys that are guarding him, he you know gives that little handoff mm-hmm. to um, to Harkless, who's right next to him. I've been seeing the two of them playing next to each other, sharing that space under the bucket. And then as I was watching the um, you know all his all his makes. Look, I was watching Yusuf Nurkic's reaction to all of Harkless's makes, and a heart, or a, Nurkic is just delighting in Harkless's success. And it's really fun to see how excited, you know, sometimes he gives a big hug, sometimes he, like, slaps him on the butt or whatever, but, like, Harkless is clearly, um, I think that he and Nurkic have connected in a way that I didn't see before, and I started getting fanciful and thinking about the fact, you know how Nurkic absolutely loves everything that about Damian Lillard. Like, he talks about him, his leadership, how much Damien meant to him as a player when he first got to Portland, and blah, 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 blah. I'm wondering if Nurkic was the person who was able to connect with Mo in a way that other people couldn't. Just because watching their chemistry on the court, it just makes me think that they have, have really been spending some time together because they seem just to be really in tune. And I was just like, hey, maybe it was Nurkic who had some of his own, like, struggles, like, when he came when he came from Denver and had things rough in Denver and he came to Portland and things were great and then he kind of fell back a little bit. And, you know, like, just maybe the two of them spending time together either on the court or off the court, maybe that has been something that has helped... Harkless have some this sustained aggression over the last few weeks either that or they're an injury I I don't know what do you think about the two of them together I
1: don't care what it is they can be best (laughs) friends they could hate each other I, I, I just I just want this level of effort and production from him like it just makes things so all of the free points basically all the points they get from Harkless are free Post All Star Break, it's just it's just it's like finding extra money that Tooth Fairy left because it's it's usually in the open court in transition and a high efficiency shot. Like he's he's not pulling up for step back fadeaways in the mid range. It's a dunk or a three.
0: Yeah, they're easy buckets. I mean, the the threes are not coming easy for him, but the ones close to the rims are.
1: Yeah, and his field goal percentage is nuts right now. Like he's just getting to the rim, and when he's when he's there, it's good. I mean, it's just like. So that's nice to see, but again, kind of going but get back full circle, and we got a little bit off track here. Obviously, talking about Evan Turner, not having Turner on the floor with the second unit has been iffy at best, and I think it's made the Blazers a bit more reliant on getting production from Harkless, from Hood, from Lehman. and it's, it's just it kind of gums things up and. and I think the Blazers are going to need Turner more than they know. And I'm wondering what that's going to mean for Portland going into the playoffs and the rotation. Because when to get 10 deep, you have to be, you know, obviously the starters. Then you have Cantor, Hood, Lehman. That's eight. Turner, nine.
0: I mean... <laughs> and Curry. I, I mean, I as I say, I was like, you have Curry and Collins still. Well, because if Curry... I mean, if Curry is... Not the primary ball handler if he's somebody who can pass it off if he needs to, but he can shoot. I mean, we just need they just need shooters, they need people who can sink those shots. Yeah, and that's
1: that's the obviously the outside problem here with, with the even though Harkless's renewed uh sense of urgency and, and energy, the three point shooting still hasn't been great.
0: Mm-mm. No, it's um, but fortunately, CJ's has um. You know it's it hasn't leveled off completely, but he's had some real nice nights where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I CJ. mean,
1: post all star break, CJ's shooting 45% from three.
0: We'll take it, yeah, I mean, right post
1: all star break, he's hovering at that 50, 40, 90 line. So, uh, I think last I looked, he was at like 48% from the floor, and I want to say 89 from the free throw line, like he was mm-hmm. he was right, right there. Um, and as crazy as it is, um, I, I remember looking at Uh, all the the post all star break stats, and I think it was like Harkless, Nurkic, Cantor, all had like roughly the same field goal percentage. So even though each one of them have had a rough night, they've they're all at like fifty five to fifty six percent in the field. Mm -hmm. It's it's kind of funny. People think about oh Harkless hasn't been. I mean, he's been good, but he's struggled from three. He's like, well, yeah, but he's also shooting like 56% from the floor. And he's giving you... Yeah,
0: he's killing it, We're getting getting himself to the rim.
1: Yeah, and then the other part of this is, is that he's giving you high efficiency shots. So, yeah. I mean, you, you can't really get mad about it. Oh, also, he's giving you actual production that wasn't there all season. So <laughs> um, it's 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 nice to see Harkos in a roundabout way. Let's, let's just leave it at that
0: yeah well no no it is nice to see him and i don't know why aminu has been struggling lately but if if it means that harkless is playing well i mean you know me you know how much i love aminu but i just i've seen more
1: important to this team
0: realistically exactly i mean he's more important to the long term of the team and you know aminu has obviously i appreciate everything that he does and everything but um He's in there night in and night out, giving you his defensive production. The threes until lately, he was a lot more efficient. He just, he's he's in a slump right now when it comes to the shooting. Well, I mean, Um,
1: realistically, everyone save CJ is struggling from three post all-star break. Like the Blazers as a team are not shooting the ball great.
0: Well, maybe they can get all their misses out of the way now. Hey, let, let's so
1: hope so. I mean, really. During
0: the playoffs, they can, they can play well. So I have to admit, I'm cooling a little bit to Cantor right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I guess kind of my big thing was how do you, like I said before, how does he go one and six against OKC, who he knows? You know, like. <sighs> I think that's a case of trying to
1: get up for that game. I think if they, trying to do too much, yeah, cause I honestly, a lot of his looks, I was like, that's, that's a good shot for him normally. Like he's, he's just got great touch around the rim and everything rimmed out. Just, it's just more a rough night. And, and honestly, that OKC game, and I'm not making any excuses for it. First home game after a seven game and 15 day road trip with a day off. Mm-hmm. So it's basically like an eight, eight game road trip. So guys being tired. I mean, Cantor just got to the team and just started on the trip. He hadn't. He hasn't been home in a while. Um, the team, as a general, hasn't been home. But as far as this Cantor specifically goes, uh, he's not a great defender. And if for everybody's like, oh, get Cantor out of there, or make sure Collins is alongside him. Remember that the guys that are in front of him are bad. <laughs> I mean, realistically, Dame C.J. Seth, and like that's 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 Term Styles on the perimeter. And it doesn't matter which of those three guys is out there. That's that's somebody that Cantor has to cover up for. And that's not what he is. That's not what he does. It just shows you how good Yusuf Nurkic has has been defensively this year that they can cover up for Dame and CJ on the perimeter. And, Mm -hmm. like, listen, I'm not making excuses for Cantor because Cantor's been bad defensively. But I saw a bunch of people hopping down Cantor's throat and and Myers-Leonard's throat the other day when... the the, the the big, the role man, is catching behind the play and finishing after, you know, Nurkic, Cantor, Myers, they're all stepping out and they're taking away the drive much further away than they should have to because the guards are offering little and no resistance. But the whole Cantor point, you're not wrong, Tara, as far as, like, cooling on him. I think people forgot that, yeah, he's not a good defender, but I think some of those things are... Getting exasperated because he's not producing on offense. Like it let's 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 say instead of going one of six terror, he goes five of six. Don't you mm-hmm. think the narrative is much much different? Oh
0: yeah, that's very different.
1: So the Blazers probably win that game, and Cantor's a productive part of it. even I one thing I hate about plus minus is it's like, hey, look, the bench guys played against bench guys and it was whatever, or the bench guys played against half a starting lineup and lost. It's like their individual plus minus is such a weird, weird number that you have to kind of bear it out over the season. And while Cantor's just not good right now, I think if you give it some time to, to equal out, I bet you his production outweighs what he gives up on the defensive end.
0: Yeah. I I honestly, you know, I I was not expecting, I was expecting actually much worse on defense and I think he's He's completely passable. Um, I don't think he's great, but I think I don't. I don't think he does a bunch of like obvious boneheaded things. the The thing that I, I mean, I thought we were going to be getting more consistent. I mean, offense. I thought we were going to get. I thought it was going to we we're going to get way more offensive rebounds and putbacks. Like we did those first couple of games, and I guess those were just like adrenaline games. And he's just kind of like come back down a little bit.
1: Not just that, but the way rebounding is right now, I, I think there's an adjustment here is how Portland is going to rebound. Like mm-hmm. if teams are hitting threes or taking more threes, it's harder for uh, big to secure a rebound, you know, off a long bounce as opposed to okay. Portland going to the rim. And I think you'll see as Portland in those games where uh, Nurkic and Cantor really offensive rebounded the ball incredibly well, they were attacking the ton, And so mm-hmm. there's just, there's just a rim action there. So I think it's, that's going to go back and forth depending on the opponent. But uh, Cantor's always going to give you that effort. But with offensive rebounds, it's, it's one of those numbers that can definitely vacillate back and forth. Like one game, guy could have six. The next game, he has none. But hey, you look at the average, he's got three a game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I've <laughs> I've seen him... Um, you know, like when, when he first came, I thought that they were going to play Collins alongside him as the four. Mm-hmm. And... That did not happen right away. They've tried that a few times in some of the games against the their less strong opponents. Let's say <laughs> <laughs> they've given the two of them some minutes together, and you know, while well, obviously you just talked about plus minus not being your favorite stat, um, but in the lineups where they play together, they're not bad. They're not. They're not terrible, and um, at least against the, some of these lesser opponents. And I'm figuring it's because they need to keep getting Collins run, but some of these critical games, maybe they're not ready to put him in very much. Um, but at least, you know, against Cleveland, against Charlotte, against Phoenix, Collins got to get in there and play some of the four alongside Cantor.
1: Yeah, no. And, and that's something we, we talked about off air. I've, I figured that if they got some run, it would be in those kind of lower leverage mm-hmm. situations. Um, I just I don't see how they realistically they want to have Evan Turner just kind of coming full circle again. They want to have mm-hmm. Evan Turner run that second unit. You can't have Evan out there with Cantor and Zach mm-hmm. For if people could talk about Zach ma- making or not making growth, whatever that it's right now he's not an offensive weapon. He he's, uh-uh. he's he may have potential with his footwork, but his footwork isn't there. He may have a potential as a shooter, but his ability to shoot is not there consistent yet. So you, you can't well, I mean, and you might think that out there with those guys.
0: But you might think that with Cantor as the more offensive weapons, Colin could pair with him and, and play defense. Yeah, but but you're saying offenses, in a lot of situations they can't afford the luxury of not having um, Collins play offensive, have some offensive yeah. weapons as well. And,
1: but the other thing is, is, like there's this kind of dynamic where we want to play Zach as this stretch five. Well, he doesn't stretch defenses don't there's no gravity okay. and he's not he's not coming back and re- and making opponents pay enough to justify having him standing in the corner or, or mm-hmm. popping out off a of pick and pop so can't, and cantor needs to operate inside that that's where he lives so all mm-hmm. of a sudden Zach starts creeping closer and closer and now the space that Evans got to operate in where he's creating from the middle of the floor that's tighter and tighter
0: mm-hmm so, yeah, Evans mid range He's a lot more crowded. Yeah, so his favorite from his favorite spot. And, uh, <laughs>
1: that's why I think you're seeing Stotts play with these. Uh, Jake Layman at the four lineups. Um, mm-hmm. Jake, he 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 was okay, but it wasn't enough. And how many guys is it enough for in the OKC game where he got matched up against Paul George later in the game? And they ended up pulling Lehman out and going with Aminu, even though Aminu's offense wasn't productive. So you see these kind of holes in these certain places where even in that situation where maybe Collins is the guy you go to, like realistically, but you can't go to him yet because on the other side, he's not even across the Aminu threshold offensively. So it's like, mm-hmm. I don't know you know how do i i want to get another defender on the floor but i got to give somebody who gives me something on the other end right now so i think you're right i think we're blowouts or lesser opponents on the schedule you're gonna see zach get some minutes like it's Mm -hmm. like like live ojt right (laughs) you know all right everything we've worked in practice over the last couple weeks here you go go ahead and go ahead and work on those things and yeah. I think that's kind of how they play it out down the season. I mean, do, do you do you see a path for him going forward this season, or it gets beyond that?
0: No, I and I'm fine having him do that. Like I don't think we need to rush him. Um, and I think this year he's he's shown that uh, he has a lot of work to do on the on the offensive end, and it's just. It's just ideally, you know, if they're going to have Cantor being such a good offensive threat, it would be great if they could have um, uh, Collins in there alongside him. But they don't have another other enough other people to spread the floor enough.
1: Yeah, like you like know, they're, they're if better, they're relying, but it they're sounds still like
0: if they're relying on Evan Turner, he's also not a three point shooter. Yeah. So you got three out of your five guys who can't make stuff happen along, outside the three point line. <gasps> so no one's chasing him.
1: Uh, which is death in today's n b a so
0: yeah it's, it's a so weird speaking spot. of guys uh getting a little run, uh your favorite rookie happy happy joy, joy, happy happy, joy <laughs> you want <clears throat> you want to talk about the you know the pride that you felt or the happiness you felt when you <clears throat> saw Anthony Simons make it in the other day
1: yeah, I mean he was honestly it was one it was surprising because he came in in the third quarter, like I was like, hey what well, they're up by like twenty But still third quarter. Uh-huh. Uh, it was, that's usually not quite time yet, but I think again, we're talking about Portland, like, all right, he got,
0: Scal got to play. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> but I think with Simon's case, I think it was, Hey, all the things you've been working on, here you go, go try it out. He comes on the floor and it was very, very obvious right away that Dame is like, no, you're going to take shots. You're going to create, here's the ball. Here you go. Young fella. You know, and he, he kind of proud pop it away and let Simon's go to work. He gets downhill and. Hits the pull up, pull up Jay off the pick and roll and look comfortable and confident as hell as he took it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And then they're absolutely trying to get him his first NBA three. They're doing everything they can. And they set up the entire action for him to come off the pin down. And he curls, he steps into it, cans a three. And I have not seen Terry Stotts. With that much joy on his face in a long time, and it was a really cool scene because you like uh, uh, Bruce Ely caught Stotts in the background of, the, of this picture smiling, while Simons has got his hands, you know, at his knees, kind of shoulders pulled back, like yeah, yeah, this is what I do. And it was it was <laughs> a really cool moment, and everybody on the bench was just Dame Nurk, everybody stoked for him, but. There was there was a little bit of cockiness to the kid and I you know, I like it. But it was he was
0: <laughs> he was so excited. His jumping up and down part was so
1: cute. Yeah, I mean <laughs> and the way he stepped into it and took that three, like did that look like a nineteen year old kid who was scared of the moment?
0: I don't know, Dan. You read a lot in a, into things that I don't necessarily
1: okay. see. We, like,
0: I, when I he, see. Well, the, he looked fine, but I'm not. I'm just not. When seeing I look at most kids yet.
1: in the league, there's a hesitation to their game. There's something questioning them. And there are plenty of guys of varying talent levels who have the different types of confidences. There are guys in the league who are not all that talented, but their confidence. Compensates like there's no tomorrow. With Simons, there and Dame has said it. Nurkus said it. A couple of guys made jokes about it post game. Like this kid's maybe a little a little too confident in, in the best possible way. Um, I just I, I I there's something about the kid that I find very likable. On top of that, so I'm always excited when he gets out there.
0: Well, I'm always, I am too obviously, and I'm excited when the Blazers get ahead enough that he can come in and do all of that. <laughs> Um, but looking ahead, speaking of ahead, uh, next week, the blazers are playing the Clippers, the saints and San Antonio. You know, the schedule is, I would say favorable. It's
1: not not great, but it's not bad. It's not easy,
0: but I think it's favorable. It's not just like, I mean, considering the battle for the middle of. The playoff tier, yeah, two, three. or... Um, yeah, they three, gotta three, four, five. they gotta win these ones because they got. The, I just I can't believe they have to play Denver twice right at the end of the season.
1: That's just brutal. Well, it's been like that the last couple of years. Remember, Portland had knocked Denver out with one of those games.
0: Yeah, but they didn't have to play them twice in a row. Not twice in a row, but there
1: was uh, the the have a have a nice summer one from Nurkic that year oh. was Denver once and then two games then Denver again.
0: Yeah. No, they. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess they have had to play. Call. Anyway, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. Um so, you know, any of those uh, between Okay, so Denver, I don't think the Blazers are going to see them unless they fall pretty much. But OKC, Utah, Houston, I mean, any of these teams I think you know provides a pretty difficult mat- matchup right now. Denver is their Blazers are 0 and 2 against Denver. They're 0 and 4 against OKC. They're 2 and 2 for Utah, and they're 2 and 1 against Houston. I think maybe Utah would be the one that I think I would choose. What about you? Uh I mean, it's a schedule. Where when you
1: look at it, you're just kind of like, oh, it's not not good, not great, not bad. I, I'm not I'm not thrilled about the possibility of, of what it means for Portland down the stretch. When you look at the way the records are right now, it was, I was talking to, to Chad doing on, I think it was Tuesday. A lot of people were really excited about that two seed, right? And we laid out the math necessary for Portland to get that two seed. And it was like, it's next to impossible. So those Denver games now, I think are going to be more for the rest of the seating as opposed to like being the two or three seed. Does that make sense? Oh no! I mean, I feel I feel like they're four, five, or six. So you're you're firmly in that line now. Yeah. Okay. I didn't I didn't think you would actually had gone there. Where did
0: you think I was? I, I thought you thought that maybe that three was still there. No, Dan. You know, I worry way too much to think that we were going to get the three. Uh, that they were going to okay, get that, the three. That's seed. fair. I mean, I think it would be great, but I think, I yeah, it's way too. I mean. OKC is a really good team. Yeah. So <laughs> and and then there's Denver and Golden State. So I feel like four would be the highest one that they would get. Well, what's funny about Golden State is they're dropping
1: games to the Suns, and I'm I literally they just
0: lost to the Suns. Yeah, I have a
1: clip of yeah, I don't know if anybody else caught it where uh, the camera picked up Steve Kerr going to commercial where he said, "I am so tired of Draymond's shiza."
0: Oh really? Oh, I yeah. did not see that. So
1: tonight you had Clay Thompson criticize the fans for not being loud enough at it, it, it Oracle. You know the most expensive ticket in the NBA. Um, you've got uh, Kevin Durant calling out the team. Steve <laughs> Kerr calling out Draymond. Yeah, I'm just like this is this is this is good.
0: And meanwhile, poor Steph with no help or you know no backup, no bench. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just don't feel sorry for these guys, not in the least bit. I don't feel. I I just I like Steph, and I think that I, don't know, I like Steph and Clay. I want it to be like five years from now when those are those guys are like the old guys who stuck around, and they're like the Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker of the um, Golden State. Yeah, no, that, that that sounds about right. But when everybody else goes on, and yeah. it's just the two of them. And, going kind of gray they have kind of like the rick fox gray beards you know (laughs) they're still there it works yeah but but anyway i mean so do you have preferences or thoughts about where the blazers could end up ultimately finishing i mean it's going to change every time we talk about it from here in the next four weeks but you
1: have to win the games as you need to win that means the clippers that means the spurs i i I get that those teams are
0: oh they got to be new orleans
1: the, uh, yeah, I'm just talking about that. That's the same same group of teams. Kind of how I look at that.
0: Of, they have to never lose to New Orleans again, and then after this year, they also have to never lose to OKC again. Yeah,
1: they need to they need to figure those out. But OKC is a terrifying matchup in the playoffs for this yeah. team. Uh, their length, their athleticism, the ability mm-hmm. to get after you is just it's it's too much for, for this team. I think right now uh and not, not saying it's not saying it's impossible cuz they've been in games but you know how many games does it take for a for it to be called a pattern four is, seems like a pretty good number to start with um utah scares me to death uh the depth of that team and uh, the defense that they play their coach that's as weird as it sounds i i think that houston's probably the best matchup of the 3 But then you have to deal with a series against James Harden and Chris Paul, and God, who wants that? And I'm not talking much from a skill standpoint, but I'm like actual watchability. Like who Mm who who is hate watching that? (laughs) Uh, And inevitably, it's it's us. But um, it's hard for me to pick down what seed they're going to get. Like I I, tomorrow, I'm going to go look at the schedule and like for all you know, four of these teams and kind of pick wins. And see who ends up where.
0: Yeah i i don't I don't see any way to predict it. <laughs> it's just going to be what it is. I guess. Oh, I'm going to though. Well, good for you. And then you're probably going to make some bet. Just don't involve me in it. Uh, I'm going to involve. How many bets do you have hanging out there now?
1: Uh they're all coming due. I mean, they're all ones. There's... they're all ones that I made to start the season.
0: This has not yeah. been
1: a good year for me. This is this is everything getting even for all the success that I've had over like the last three years. This is it all coming back on me.
0: I hope you've learned something. Yeah,
1: every every fourth (laughs) year, don't make bets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we should probably let's let's, let's wrap it
1: up. It's kind of a kind of a slower week.
0: Yeah, this is kind of this is kind of not the most exciting part of this. It's the quiet part of the season where they just need to. Not
1: sure what's where, who's what. and what's going to happen yet? It's like it, it, it's still, you know, still too foggy. You need to shake the magic eight ball a little bit more here.
0: Yeah, you know what's going to happen? The women's hoops and talks are having a meet up on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. We're going to watch the Clipper game. I feel like we've watched the Clippers several times in yeah, <laughs> our not meetup watch Patrick so. Beverly. Uh, yeah, and we all just yell at, at Patrick Beverly, who, if nothing else, is always entertaining. He always does provide <sighs> entertainment. Uh, so that's going to be on Tuesday, 730 at the McMinnimans on Broadway. If anyone wants to come out and watch a game with us and blazers edge night, I guess is coming up at the end of the month. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, what else, what do you have coming up, Dan? Uh, blazers Outside is going back to the Rialto, but other than that, it's just kind of business as usual,
1: just hand- handling things as we go. You know what? I guess we could
0: be the Lakers right now.
1: (laughs) How funny is it to see everybody getting shut down and them like basically trying to like backdoor a lottery pick?
0: I can't even keep track of what is going on down there. I (laughs) I should say I
1: I feel bad for Brandon Ingram because his situation could be that of Chris So yeah, that that, that is
0: a real shame to hear about his uh, blood clot. Is that what he has? God,
1: that's so scary. Yeah, because that stuff's like it's not the thing he did, you nope. know, and like I'd rather see somebody break a leg or tear a knee or like this stuff, this kind of crap or like uh, the kid from from uh, Baylor who with with more fans like
0: that mm-hmm. stuff's
1: like that's that stuff sucks. Like, yeah. like break a leg, dude. <laughs> don't 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 have okay. that stuff happen, man. I, I always hate that. So,
0: yeah, that's a real shame for him. But
1: otherwise, <laughs> screw the Lakers. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, that's that's another one that I got wrong. I I had the Lakers firmly in the playoffs with the fifth seed, I think, to start the season.
0: Yeah. So. Oh well. So much for that one. Oh darn,
1: I got that one wrong. Uh, but yeah, other than that, it's it's uh, pretty quiet. Like I said, we'll all have uh, dates and updates on the Outsider stuff, uh, and you should see uh, the new commercial circulating here now that I got a new boss. So. There you go.
0: I did see a new commercial. Hey-o. It was strange. Yeah,
1: and the, the the intensive purpose is still in the cycle. They have to, like, work something else out before they put, some, I don't know, technical stuff. Yeah.
0: Your new one, it's like you're talking into the camera, and, like, Shane's running around in the back, and then, like, Joe puts his hand on your shoulder. And I Is it supposed to be, like, a horror movie? <laughs> I don't quite understand you, it. it. Maybe it's just above my you head. You know what? It's not.
1: Intensive purposes.
0: Right. <laughs> so
1: there you go. Um, uh, but yeah, other than that, just kinda holding it down. Like you said, we got Blazers Engine Night coming up at the end of mo- end of the month on the twenty-fifth. Um, it's also I think it's like uh NBC Sports' is night there, so we may be doing something. I'm still kind of trying to figure out what we're what we have going on that night. Uh, but I think I'll be in the building. But other than that. That's what I got. Uh, you can find me on social media, everywhere else for whatever you want, whatever you need at Dean Barang, at D M A R A N G on Blazers Outsiders, pre and post game show with Joe Simons and Shane Brennan on NBC sports Northwest. And other than that, Tara, go ahead and take us out of here.
0: Alrighty. I am at TCB bigs on Twitter. You can also follow Blazers edge at Blazers edge. You can visit BlazersEdge.com to find all kinds of great articles written by all kinds of interesting people and you can also follow the Hoops and Talks podcast at Hoops and Talks on Twitter. We just had an episode that came out um, that was like an overview of the CBA, just kind of like what it is, how it came about, what it's supposed to do, and um, you know answered a few questions that may be of interest to Blazer fans. The collective bargaining, bargaining agreement is a massive topic, and we just barely scratched the surface. But um, if you're all interested in it, you should tune into the latest episode. And just kind of learn a little bit about it. And with that, I guess that'll do it for us. We will uh, talk to you next week. Bye.